Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for thanks for agreeing to do this. Stoked. Yeah, man. Yeah, thank you. I was pretty honored when I saw your request come through. So thank you. Yeah, cool. So for you at the moment, it's uh, about six thirty in the morning there. Just just about six thirty, six thirty a.m. I usually get up at uh, sort of quarter to five anyway. A uh, bit of a morning routine and. Um, so I've been up a little while yet and just had my morning coffee as I see you are too. Actually, you're on a red. <laughs> I've got um, some red wine. It's 8, 8.30 <laughs> in the evening here. Kids have just gone to bed. Yeah. So. <laughs> nice. Talk about talk about opposite ends of the world, <laughs> literally yeah. and figuratively. Hey, you've got some uh, damn fine equipment behind you there, like quite organized and ready to go. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. It's uh, yeah, I try to keep it uh, a little bit organized. We got uh, it's actually everything else is just sort of squished into the into the corner of the room over there. It's just a, a pile of bikes <laughs> and, <laughs> and other stuff. Uh, the skis are not mo- are not that uh, movable, so I thought it makes a nice uh, it's a it's a nice backdrop at least. <laughs> yeah. And I've got the, we've got the freezer over there, the white white <laughs> thing just creeping into frame, but. Um, yeah, no, that's uh, it's nice to keep. The, that's the one thing in my life that's that's generally quite organised. <laughs> All the adventures, good, really, yeah, ready, ready yeah. to go. Yeah. I like it. Um, yeah, and so you're based in in Sydney. Yeah, I'm in Sydney. I'm about forty minutes out of Sydney. A little place called Cronulla, uh, the outer suburbs of Sydney, which sits on the beaches. Um, ah, Cronulla. But... That's that's um, that's where Aki is from. Yeah, a bunch of seasoned veterans and pros are from here. Yeah, there's yeah. quite a roll call of uh, famous surfers and athletes, and yeah, it is it is a little bit like that. You're at, at you still got access to the city, but there's so much room to move and um, okay. amazing beaches. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was uh, yeah, I was once in Sydney many many years ago, very briefly for a for a sporting event back at uh, at university, but. Um, yeah, it was literally just like a week in, week out. So that was my my limited experience of Australia. <laughs> How long ago? Oh, probably literally almost twenty years ago, about two thousand four, five. Yeah, five ish. Just after the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember it being amazing. I mean, it was the the um. I mean, as South Africa, I mean, I'm obviously South African originally, living in living in Switzerland now. But what fascinated us at the time was were all these uh, gas barbecues all over the the public parks. Free <laughs> 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 to use. For us, this was just absolutely um, mind, absolutely mind blowing that you could just, you know, it's just there for people to use. If, it, if that was in in South Africa, it would be gone within probably half an hour. You know? <laughs> 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 well, yeah, they bricked in, but uh, I mean. Uh, I think a lot of them have been taken out or uh, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, electrified the... now rather than gas. Okay. But, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a bit yeah, it's a while, then. yeah, it's a while ago. So we're just speaking as the, as the memories pop up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. But we'll get to that soon enough. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, so if you don't mind, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get into the more formal part of the podcast, which is actually very informal. Just a couple of questions. I mean, uh, I suppose what, I, what I'll start with quickly is I'll, what I generally try and do is just quickly 
speak through just briefly who you are and I'll give you a chance to just uh, either correct anything that I that I um, was made well, if I didn't explain properly or also just give it more give a bit more of a background for uh, sure man yeah. For, yeah okay cool so I'll I'll, uh, I'll kick us off um yeah awesome so yeah so tonight or this morning in australia um <laughs> i'm i'm chatting to normally i would say to a good friend but uh, it's actually a new friend uh tyson millar m-i-l-l-a-r correct tyson millar right, yeah he uh yeah he's based down in uh in sydney australia in the southern hemisphere we uh yeah we connected uh online via writing actually which we'll get to soon as well but he is a general seems to be a general uh yeah just a cool dude doing a bunch of interesting stuff doing some some weather meter meet me i practice that word actually meet meteorological <laughs> uh, meteorological yeah meteorological thank you um write-ups and, and and summaries and, and analysis online which is really really cool you also do photography which, which is the, which obviously I can can relate to, and uh, something I actually wasn't that clued up on until probably a few years ago when I got more into into skiing here in the in Switzerland was skiing and winter sports uh, in Australia, which uh, which is the last thing um, having been down there when the in the summer heat uh, would have crossed my mind that you can actually ski or or, uh, or snowboard in in Australia. So um, yeah. yeah, so on 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 that note. Um, who is, uh, if you would like to give us a quick background on who is Tyson Miller and, uh, yeah, just, uh, yeah, Matt, uh, yeah, thanks for having us on. And, um, I, I suppose it's probably best to start off where the, in the geographical terms, I'm, I'm from Perth, Australia initially, and, uh, which is on the West coast. Um, and I okay. moved over to Sydney after, so much traveling like i left perth probably 25 years ago not long after i finished school um moved over to the east coast and um actually got involved with snow sports and and ski area management uh i actually studied ski area management under the banner of tourism um once oh, i finished okay. school and we've got a number of ski resorts over here uh, on the east coast of australia very small ones that probably akin to something like a what, what would be termed a club field or a uh, like a boutique ski resort in places like Switzerland um, <laughs> okay. so quite small and so small uh, I mean some of them they range from 10 to 15 lifts right through to I think the I think Parrish's our biggest resorts probably got something like 50 uh, mainly, mainly surface toes mainly to, um, plumbers and and nutcrackers and stuff like that. Well, um, okay. yeah, platters. Um, so mainly surface lifts, but um, yeah. very small, small industry that is vastly growing, uh, surprisingly. Uh, but I'll get I'll okay. get to that separately. Um, yeah, then I moved moved about and worked in aviation. So I moved throughout Australia, um, aviation in the sense of ground handling. So I worked for a a major outfit for Australia, um, the brand is uh, AeroCare and mm -hmm. moved around Australia through that. Lots and lots of travel um, domestically. And then uh, beyond that, moved to London, um, change of lifestyles, change of scenery, cool. 
and yeah. worked in as a tour guide in Europe, actually. Um, in Europe, okay. Yeah, in, in London, but um, traveling and touring throughout Europe. So I know Europe very, very intimately, mm. um, both historically, uh, not through school, but through uh, general research um, for that okay. job. Yeah. It was about six months worth of onboarding <laughs> to, to actually do that job because being an Aussie uh, touring through Europe, who mainly had Aussie clientele, uh, still yeah. had a, a reason to know all the ins and outs of Europe. Uh, so, yeah, and, and did, did that for a couple of years, along other things, and photography was, was the main thing after I moved on from that. Uh, and then I moved back to Oz and, and landed here in Sydney uh, over 10 years ago now. Okay. So, yeah. And I mean, I've, I've still always had a pulse, uh, had my finger on the pulse for snow and ski area and uh, what the snow is doing. Um, so I've always had that love and uh, and always um, shared my thoughts on either online um, or uh, through friends and 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 being in the, in the industry itself. Okay. And yeah, since coming since arriving back in Sydney, you just sort of picked up where you left where you left off, or yeah, sorry. So um, once I landed back in Sydney, I, uh, well, once I landed in Sydney, I, I picked up a, a job with a local photographer, a very well known photographer, uh, under the, and it goes under the guise of Aquabumps, uh, who okay. shoots the beach every single day. We've got a gallery here in in Sydney, and um, yeah, so I, I I'm general manager for the gallery um, that operates out of Bondi, uh, the main okay. hub tourist hub of Sydney. Yeah, and so that, that that's I guess the the bread and butter for me, and then everything else is an, an ancillary add on, um, whether it be backcountry skiing, hiking, mm. um, surfing. All of those, uh, you know, those things that you probably can't make much of a living out of. <laughs> um, to do yeah, that on the end of, of, of operating a business. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's a that that's that's fascinating. Quite a fascinating uh, journey. Um, yeah. I can bet you must you must have learned a lot and meet, met some interesting people along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I meet interesting people every day. Um, mainly through the tourism side of being in Bondi, uh, working in and uh, having lived in Bondi. Mm. Um, but, yeah, you, you do meet some pretty fascinating people uh, from all over the world. But, I mean, having travelled all over the world as well, it's, it's, it's quite easy to, mm. yeah, to, to meet those sort of people. Um, and, but, yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll also... I'll also add, I'm also studying at the moment with um, University of Tasmania on top of that, um, which is um, studying um, climate science and uh, okay. uh, an introduction into Antarctic marine science. Wow. So okay. all undergrad stuff, but not, not, um, not necessarily uh, going to take me anywhere career-wise, but just out of interest. Yeah, so it must be. I mean, clearly, it's a it, it's quite an interest for you that uh, that field. But, yeah, the, um, the field of climate, for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, that definitely comes through in your in your in your writing. I mean, it's quite a it's uh, 
it is, it is it is technical in many ways, but it's it's also relatable. I mean, it's a good for me. It's an it's a, it's a a very I'm not grading it. It's just a very for me. I find it a great balance between technical and also just being in sort of a, a layman's language, also a little bit, uh, which is why I enjoy following it. But the, the the modeling you put up always find. I mean, that must take that must take a fair bit of 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 uh, um, work to to. Uh, to to realize to visualize or not it it no it definitely does uh way too much time but because i've got a passion for it i'm i'm, mm. I'm not not considering the time um yeah. but yeah and, and just to be clear I'm, I'm not a meteorologist uh i've just spent incredible amount of time researching um and trying to understand a lot of the uh the intricacies and technicalities of, of meteorology whether that be mm. physics um or atmospheric uh, science. Um, I, I spent a lot of time reading research papers. I spent a lot of time uh, digging up the, the, the most quirkiest uh, data known known to man. Um, and I try and I try and mould it into a, a, a something that I can understand, and then communicate through my my substack to to actually get that information out and 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 be that conduit between meteor, meteorological terms and. And, and kind of a layman, um, you know, the person who, who just wants to go ski or, you know, surf or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of Substack, so that's obviously, I mean, my, my next, well, one of my next questions, one of the questions I would like to ask or what I would like to know is that, um, why did you start writing on Substack? But, I mean, I think I can sort of preempt pre-guess by saying you wanted to share that that knowledge and and just have an outlet for, for all that uh, that passion and that knowledge that you wanted to share yeah so just just to take it back i've been writing online for a long time through a platform uh or forum um known as ski.com.au and uh okay. which i actually operate as a full disclosure i operate as a, mo a moderator on that um and i've, are the, I've been are, on the, that. are the days are the days longer in australia than in switzerland <laughs> because that's you seem to have a lot uh, a lot on your plate <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my plate well i mean it just ticks along in the background uh, it, it, we've okay. got a bunch of moderators and, but, but like i say it's like muscle memory for me so it's it's, hmm. it's not labor intensive um okay. it's just a matter of being on there and, and vetting um anything that comes up but um it's certainly in winter time I, I i do have very very short days because i'm 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 always trying to juggle you know the keeping on on top of snow and um then mm. there's you know the, the moderating side of things and which which can be exhaustive midwinter because that's that's our high traffic yeah. period yeah. um but yeah, just yeah. So I, I, I've I've always public publicised online. Um, okay. I was I was spending probably way too much time for a lot of people's opinions. Um, way too much time on those, you know, the the, the nitty gritty of it. Um, okay. Just picking stuff out of it, which, as you point out, takes an incredible amount of time because you get it from mm. so many different sources and it's constantly yeah. updating. That's that's mm. that's probably the the caveat with. Uh, weather modelling is that some of the some of the models run four times a day, if not more. Some of them. Sure. Okay. Um, so you're getting a constant replenishment of information and data and observations, um, yeah. real time. 
um, and and things change as well. So, but you can't look at the macro. You've kind of got to look at the at, at the bigger picture, the broad scale. Um, yeah. Because if you're not looking at the broad scale, um, you get stuck in the nitty gritty stuff. But um, yeah, just just back to your question. Uh, I've mm. always published online through an online forum and and through Substack, uh, through finding Substack, um, yeah. uh, which which came about through just a suggestion um, to, to platform it. Um, mm-hmm. I've been able to kind of curve a lot of uh, a lot of information down the route that I want to take it. Um, on yeah. the forums, they tend to go off on discussions and, and, and deviations of that. So, um, yeah, yeah Substack's just, it's simply a way for me to publish my own thoughts on, uh, you know, w- what the current specs are. Yeah, and have a bit more, uh, have a bit more control, like, uh, like I mean, you were, like you were, um, like you're saying, to take in, in the direction that you want to take it and publish things that you that you that you want to publish without necessarily adhering to a certain uh, protocol or yeah, etc. That that that's exactly right, Cornelius. Like it's just it's your ability to be yourself um, mm. and, and and publish what you want um, yeah. and. Um, uh, I am mindful. It's probably one of the most things I'm mindful about when I am writing it is being is is trying to bridge that gap between the technical chat and you know what what the general consumer wants to hear. You know, like the, the skier or the <laughs> snowboarder or the surfer. Or mm. uh, all I want to do is understand when it's going to be bluebird and blow a power, um, which. <laughs> Which is, as you probably know, is, is a bit of a fallacy in most days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's okay. it, it can be tricky. Like there's so much data in there, and uh, I, I guess that's where where I've sort of learned to kind of work out where wh- how to bring it not so technical. Um, so I'm certainly open to criticism on that because uh, I, I am mindful of it. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think writing online, I think you'll find um, you know, it's hard to please everyone. So again, like for me, I can relate a lot to that because that's essentially why I started writing on Substack is because um, coming from, you know, having uh, my own photography business in, in South Africa for more than a decade before moving to Switzerland. And even then right? having, wow. yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a professional photographer by trade originally. Well, before that, I was actually a qualified marine biologist with a with a master's in, in genetic research. But that's wow again about that's about previous that's about life. 20, <laughs> yeah, that's that's also about twenty years ago. But then my my photography has always has always been a passion of mine since uh, since the mid nineties, since high school. And uh, yeah, that was actually during my sort of my 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 master's degree um, in science that I sort of thought. I'm going to make the jump and try and and and, uh, and take that full time. Anyway, to cut a long story short, so even you know, with, with like you might know as well. So when you're a professional photographer or practicing, I think in in any field really, you often you know you're doing so much client work. You know, and in many in many times throughout the year or throughout the years, trying to keep your head above water, the personal projects that you do sometimes make time for sort of build up, but you actually never get it out. And um, that was always in the back of my mind to to finally actually just because the reason you do it is because you're passionate about it and 
what adds more value for me on a personal level is also to be able to share it. And um, even even though I'm a little bit web savvy, like I'm sure you are, the whole you know finding the time to to you know build up a WordPress website, do a domain, get the hosting, blah, 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 which which wouldn't be a problem. It would just be extra time. Then I researched options, and then eventually landed on 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 Substack as basically just a, a plug and play option. And I thought, well, you know. For me, that takes a lot of a lot of the back end work off my plate. I can just focus on what I want to get out there, and yeah, and uh, see what happens along along the way on the journey. Yeah, totally. And um, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a weird conundrum and paradox having to have a passion that you spend. You feel like you spend so much time kind of researching, and I'm talking in terms of like, you know, what website do I go to? What, you know, how do I best publish this? And it, yeah. it, it does, and 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 do they, you know, integrate? <laughs> do they actually work together? You know, like yeah. it, it's it, it's so hard. And and whilst I'm, I don't consider myself tech savvy. It's like uh, I, I've got my, you know, I, I understand how to put it all together, but sometimes it's so complex and you'd rather just farm it out right just throw two thousand bucks at it and just kind of get it done um because you just don't have yeah. time for it if you your, your passion project um mm. you know but and that's always been my thing as well like i've got a website with my photography on it and it's yeah. uh, a lot of the time it just sits there because like i don't i just don't have the time and and probably as, as I've kind of alluded to, there's not enough hours in the day for everything that I'm doing. Um, you know, and that's just one, one, one passion project that goes on in the background. So yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, 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 it is, it is tricky to kind of find that balance. Yeah. And in that sense, that's, I mean, that's where, where, where Substack takes a lot of that, that, that backend work for me, um, which I really, really enjoy, even though in my research, I mean, have you, one of the platforms also considered was a platform called Ghost. Have you heard of that? Considered that? No. Go, go, no. Ghost. Uh, Ghost.org. Um, it's a bit of a tangent, but okay. just so it's it's actually a sort of a it was an indie project that started probably also about 10, 15 years ago, with a guy who was just also fed up with 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 the convolutedness of WordPress, um, and started this just plain vanilla blogging platform, and uh, it was very basic in the beginning, literally just just text posts. And now it's this full on uh, creator economy, book publisher platform, similar to Substack, not similar. Yeah. yeah. Very similar, but different. Um, but it, the, the it diff looks similar. It's just probably more customizable, is it? A little bit more customizable. And you pay, I mean, instead of taking a cut, you, you pay depending on your, on, your, on your usage. So it's about 10, 12, 15 US a month. And, yeah, right. um, and, and they, 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 don't, they don't take any cut of the, of the revenue. Um, okay, but the, yeah. but, but the reason that the, we and I really uh, I did a bit of a trial with it, and the reason I actually ended up going with Substack, um, besides saving a bit on the on 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 the upfront monthly cost, uh, is just there's a little bit more of a. At least initially, I just thought. I mean, I had no really idea about you know newsletter or a blog and getting it out. Um, yeah, just getting it out on a, on, a, on a weekly or monthly or whenever you decide to publish newsletter. And there seemed to be a more of a of a of a established um, community around Substack at the time, and I thought, okay, I'm going to start on one and see how it goes. I can always move, but anyway, um, just as a that's sort of just as, a, as an aside, it crossed my mind while we were talking about <laughs> about Substack. Yeah, 
because I came across Medium the other day as well, which I'd never heard of. Medium, uh, yeah, okay. Medium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're all kind of do the same thing. But um, yeah, the, the kind of the funny thing with um, Substack was that I saw a lot of famous people on there, and oh, yeah. I don't buy into much of that anyway. But um, it just looked kind of neat, you know, like quite simplistic and neat. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like the fact that you don't have to customize too much you know exactly. like you, you can make it yours without confusing yourself yeah that's also what i realized with all my i mean i'm i'm quite a, i'm the person that gets a bit bogged down in the in the customization side before making anything live and i actually yeah. I just sort of kick myself in the or just stop myself from getting in my own way <laughs> yeah and just totally just, just do it. let the content speak for itself and um yeah so far i'm uh, i'm really really enjoying it yeah um yeah, but uh, let me move on to the next question before uh, sure. <laughs> before I get distracted too much. So the, the yeah, so we I think we covered a bit of the weather aspect and how why you're interested in that and 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 why you you're writing about that, which is is quite cool. The one thing I would like to also yeah get get to know a bit about is your your photography. Has that that's been something that you've done for a long time? Yeah, a long a long time. Every every time I've uh, like ever since I've been traveling, um, when I've left school and. Um, my folks kind of put me on a on an excursion to New Zealand. Um, when I was leaving school, or actually yeah. during school, it was actually during school, and and a camera went with me. Um, and got some amazing shots that you know I look back on and just go, you know, wow, like that's where I've come from. Like you know, it's <laughs> quite humbling, but but also quite evocative as well. Um, mm. the way. Yeah, I mean, you, you can you can make a moment stand in time just by taking a photo and something that you'll treasure forever. And when you travel, it's you know you've got this heightened sensitivity um, yeah. when when you're traveling and and being able to take things in. Um, probably not so much in your own circumstance with kids, but um, because it's obviously mayhem. Um, but uh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, ever since I've tra <laughs> ever since I've travelled, I've always had a camera with me. Um, although I'm not a, a travel photographer, it's just something that's always been part of me. Um, is is shooting yeah. new 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 horizons and yeah. um, can, people as well. If I can, if I can interrupt you, <laughs> from, from, yeah. Um, actually, uh, you actually mentioned on your on your on your website that you 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 started originally with with film photography. Yeah, uh, still do it. Oh, wait. Sorry, I'm getting a notification here. I'm not sure how... I'm not sure how... Oh, okay, wait. wait, wait, wait. So, we, yeah, we got nine minutes. We can always restart the meeting, but... That works. Guess, um, yeah, so you started in film, film photography. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dad got me into that um late 90s and as i say lots of traveling came in after that after i left school so i, I always had a film camera with me and it started on film um yeah. and then when i moved to london um I, I spent an incredible amount of time developing film um a lot of people awesome. would ask would ask me if i had a dark room you don't need a dark room to develop film all you need is a change bag to, yeah. to change yeah. it into your if if you've got a photography background you probably understand that but um yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of people 
often wonder where my darkroom is. It's just in a bag. Um, and then you can, once it's in that, um, that canister, you can develop it. And then, and then I yeah, often well, the scan prints, it in. Print, you need it. You need it. You need a darkroom if you want to make prints. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You need room and darkroom if you want to make prints. Exactly. And, and, and I do the, the horrible thing to film photography by scanning it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I know it's, I know it's, um, yeah, it's, well, a, I mean, it's a horrible thing. Well, I think that's that's how most people get their film photography out there now. I mean, you have to. You have to that's right. Yeah, it's it's inherent. Like you, I don't know any. Uh, I mean, there's definitely some some um, developers that, uh, and I'm talking film development um, that do mm. printing, uh, and it is a fine fine art craft. Yeah, um, and they're very niche, and you pay mm. for it. Um, yeah. Which is amazing, but I mean the, the the level of digital technology these days is just unsurpassed, and and you can replicate yeah. that quite easily. Um, in my yeah. opinion, um, having printed a lot, um, I know all too well that you can emulate film quite easily on digital these mm. days. Yeah, and then you're in uh, on that note, coming also, I mean, I also started on on, on film back in there. I mean, I had the dark room and in the in the little room under the sta stairs in one of our old houses. Yeah. I, made, I made prints and, and developed my film and stuff. And then at, at university at uh, with, the, with the photography club, we had a dark room. So yeah, different time. But um, yeah, coming back to also to your traveling and saying, you know, that how the heightened sense of awareness and how when you capture something on film, I think when back when back in, in that time when we were growing up and sort of those um, late 90s early 2000s where we, if you take a photograph like you said it's, it's a moment captured in time and it it, it it lasts forever whereas we now have ai generated imagery blah 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 not to go down that rabbit hole too deep but um how does that what what's what's your sort of uh, take on that before just a just yeah an opinion, it, like, how's it? yeah my opinion is that there's there's something special about film photography in the sense that um uh when you take the photo you're not distracted by the photo on the back of a camera um yeah i, sure. I think that there yeah. is uh there's something in that that um certainly experience that in places that are so far fetched and people expect to either see digital or they expect to see film um i, I traveled to kyrgyzstan in 2017 and 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 shot a whole bunch of like a series of photos that uh, work was all on film. I didn't take a digital camera. Um, wow. And the connection you have with people instantly on film, um, a lot of the people want to see the photo on the back because that's what they I can expect, imagine the look Especially in 2017. <laughs> and, and, and they're like, you know, you turn the camera around, they're like, what? Hang on, where, where's the photo? You know, they're looking in it and yeah. they don't understand. Um, but it's an incredible talking point. Um, when you're carrying around film and you're shooting on film, you're able to slow it down. Um, you're not yeah. distracted by the cat. The it's like it's like wow. walking into a, a into a room with a television, right? Like the first thing you look at is the television. So yeah. you're just removing that altogether, um, and uh, it's just so pure. Um, to to shoot on film is just something special. And then and then at the end of it, you get photos back a month later, or you know you could do it the next week or whatever. But I'm never usually that disciplined. Um, and you get them back and you're just equally surprised and, and, and you're just blown away by, by you know, the, the imagery that you've got. Um, you get to relive yeah. that moment.
such, yeah, like such you, a like, special feeling. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, like you say, you're so much more connected to the moment because you're visualizing what you're photographing in your mind how it's going to turn out. But once you once you once you click the shutter, you back in the moment, or you you're still in the moment. Um, whereas yeah. with a digital camera, like you mentioned, everyone now wants to see, or you're also looking quickly. You can make see what it's like, or adjustments, or, or yeah. adjustments, etc. Yeah. So, um, yeah. and it's amazing to see how how it's been. You know, the whole situation has been flipped on its head, where we went from film photography being the norm, and then in the digital age, when that came along, it was weird to take a photo and look on the back of the camera. Um, whereas now that's the norm and the, op the opposite is true where if you don't look on the back of the camera, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a bit weird. So, uh, yeah, It is. Yeah. And, and, and just to add to that, you know, like I'll, I'll often watch people, uh, probably out of judgment, um, watch people take a photo and then spend, you know, more time looking at the back of it and, you know, <laughs> yeah. like trying to work out what's going on with it and Instagram yeah. and things like that, that I'm yeah. just like, wow, you just killed the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, you notice that as parents as well, where especially living far apart from, from, well, originally from my wife's parents here in Switzerland and now from my parents in South Africa, where, you know, on family outings, one of us are, are, are quite often, you know, have the phone between us and, and and our son or whatever we're doing because we want to share the memories and share the moments but that ends up actually being a little bit of a, a barrier as well on a more philosophical yeah. on, on on well on the physical and the more philosophical um level and that yeah it's interesting um yeah it, it's uh, I, I, I shoot on on medium format as well um okay wow stuff and oh, so awesome. looking, you're usually looking down unless you've got a, a prism to look through yeah. it. Um, but, the, but the ability to have a waist level viewfinder um, mm. looking at your subject is is an awesome tool because you're able to have a conversation. You set the camera yeah. up, even on a tripod, whatever, you know, and then yeah. so you've set up the shot and then you're actually looking at the person. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's what I, I did a lot. I spent a lot of time in Kyrgyzstan kind of, enjoying and, and finessing was having that conversation having that moment and getting them candid and, and relaxed um to them yeah. to be able to shoot that shot um uh, you can't yeah, I mean, you can do that with digital and you can shoot off 100 frames and you'll get one out of it but there's something about you know just having a genuine conversation with someone before you you're taking it yeah and that, that that connection that that rapport that you build up with that person in that time also adds to the intimacy of the portrait in in, in a lot of the cases or or um 100 yeah. yeah you can see that in a photo you know you only yeah. have to look at a photo for a split second you go wow that's a that's an incredible yeah. moment she could be been able to capture it exactly and a lot of that work actually was not take the taking of the photo it was the the what happened before leading up to it yeah and uh, yeah that was quite quite cool sorry listen i'm just quickly looking at this timer yeah no you're right i can see it there. i'm gonna i've got to click us another one. link yeah should we do that if you don't mind yeah man yeah of course cool yeah cool i'm gonna end i'm gonna end this quickly and just make sure everything's fine i'm gonna send you another link in a moment sounds good right carrying on uh, uh, where were we? Film photography, yeah. Um, that actually brought me on to another 
interesting aspect or something I want to ask you about is uh, where you did your the in 2017 the film photography in, in Kyrgyzstan mm -hmm. that must be a very very interesting part of the world to travel to yeah um, it is a, it's a awesome part of the world and I encourage anyone to go and see it and spend their money in places like that um, they They've had an interesting um, history behind them. They're they're kind of squished between China and and the stands. They obviously are a stand, but they're not. Yeah. As because anytime you mention Kyrgyzstan to someone, they're like, "Oh, what is it? Is it that <laughs> next to that war torn Afghanistan?" Yeah. Um, so it's incredibly safe. The people are are incredibly beautiful um, to meet and hospitality wise and food is incredible um it's such a for me who comes from australia or western civilization visiting a place like that um yeah they're, they're on their way to being westernized and and okay. developed as well but it, it, it's still got that russian influence and, and yeah. they speak russian um okay uh, i don't know i'm obviously not aware of how things have gone since the, the Russian-Ukraine thing. I'm not sure how much influence. Uh, and, and there's always been a little bit of civil unrest um, from local people to have that autonomy from Russia. Um, okay. So there was a, a big uprising in sort of the mid-noughties um, mm. that was kind of fighting against being under the, the tyranny, tyrannic rule of, of Russia. Okay. Um, and, and just being autonomous, really. Um, so, but it, I, I never saw any of that. It was, it was yeah. categorically none of that at all. Mm. Uh, although our, our local authorities said to, you know, maintain distance and do not, you know, do not provoke or do not be involved in or participate in, in rallies and stuff like that, obviously. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't see any of that anyway, but it's an incredible country. They call it the Switzerland of, of East Asia. So really? Okay. For a reason. Wow. Uh, it's, it, the mountains are matched or do mm. match Switzerland. I've been to yeah. both countries and, and yeah. explored both extensively and they're, they're very, very similar right. in terms of terrain. Yeah. That part of the world, I mean, that for me, uh, it's sort of been always been an, sort of the outer outer part of the of, of the travel radar but since living more now in 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 western europe a bit, a bit more front and center well not front, not center maybe but a bit more in the in, in uh a bit more in the front or or more uh more aware of it especially and like you meant like i think like you alluded to a bit a few minutes ago to sort of a bit of a black hole in in, in many people's geographical knowledge you know, yeah, uh, Kyrgyzstan, uh, the Kingdom of Bhutan, Mongolia. That's really a part of the world that that not a lot of people are. Maybe they're aware of it a little bit, but either they're not aware of it, or if they are, it's it, it, it's it's just by name, not necessarily know the people and the geography and and what it's like to travel there. And I'm I'm certainly one who I've read up a little bit on 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 the different regions, and I mean that's definitely a part where I would love to travel to. Um, in my in my in my in my bachelor days, I would have I would have 
gone without the drop of a hat. But now, you know, if I do, <laughs> if, I, if or when I do go or we do go, maybe as a family, then, you know, one of the things that crosses my mind is, 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 is safety. Um, obviously, nowhere is ever going to be 100% safe. You can, you can never guarantee anyone's safety anywhere. But that is a little bit of a, an unknown factor there. So you know, if I do travel there, at some stage, I would love to. Um, I don't know if it'll be with or or as a as a as a solo trip. I mean, Mongolia is definitely very high on the on uh, on the to do list or on the travel list. As this country is yeah. a little bit close closer to home, um, maybe more a bit for skiing, like countries like Romania, Slovenia. Um, I mean, those are Georgia. Very, very... Have you looked into Georgia? I haven't actually, and that's actually I recently saw some very nice stuff on Georgia in terms of of, of skiing and winter, and, and, and it looks really mm. really cool. I've always wanted to go to Georgia. Oh, okay. No, uh, <laughs> no, I've actually not done. Uh, sorry, I mentioned it as uh, East Asia, but it's Central Asia. But that Central Asian region, um, uh, it's so untapped for snow, I think. And yeah. I mean, it, it has the same um, complexities with picking the snow conditions. But yeah, mm. I mean, there's some incredible mountains in Georgia yeah. and 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 um, Azerbaijan and. Like all yeah. those places are just so yeah. incredible for mountains. Um, yeah, China, bit, like. yeah, China for sure. I mean, I'm sure Russia also in, in, in some regions. Um, but yeah, I think traveling to those countries, at, at least in my limited experience, I mean, we have a lot of like, speaking of data, we have a lot of data in Europe I and mean, we have avalanche reports. We have <laughs> key reports. We have too know, much data. A lot of data to, <laughs> to be able to, well, at least that, that, that makes you know, planning a quick ski tour or, or, or winter activities where you have to be aware of things like avalanche conditions and, and snow conditions makes it, well, one, safer and two, a lot a lot more convenient. I think for some of the, a lot of the travel I've seen to places like Romania or, 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 or Slovenia, maybe, yeah, Slovenia maybe as well, or Georgia, you'd, you'd, I think you'd have to rely heavily on, on local, on, on guides essentially, or, or, or what do you think? Yeah, experience and knowledge. I mean, if you can yeah. dig a pit, and you and you you can read, uh, you know, okay, the, yeah. the, the snowpack. Then um, you're good to go. Like, uh, <laughs> obviously, you, you just need to have an understanding of, of what, what that is, though. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're looking backcountry, for 100, yeah, you're gonna have yeah. to rely on a lot of locals, and yeah. um, some of them don't, probably don't even go backcountry. They think you're absolutely bananas to go out that way. <laughs> you know, there's a perfectly good lift behind you. Yeah, you might use that kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of people in Switzerland ask the same question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, such uh, incredible terrain when you when you put skins on, you know, like it's a, it's an absolutely it's a it's a completely different world. I mean, for someone like myself, I don't know what your skiing. It's actually a, a question. Maybe I, maybe we can I can ask an hour. We can we can sort of get to that yeah. eventually. It's, it's a, I mean, I don't have a. I come from a country with yeah. As a, as a novelty, there, there there's a, a small ski uh, you can call it a resort or a small ski village but i mean for all practical purposes it, it's skiing is something far removed from from uh growing up in in, in south africa we have surfing we have sailing we have exactly. but yeah. um, same here so someone like myself you know then getting exposed to to skiing it's always been sort of this thing you see in movies or in magazines and you read about and you see on television but then actually getting to experience it first learning um and then skiing on piste and then sort of by chance getting 
um, introduced to backcountry skiing or skeetering. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and then having that sort of innate, um, you know, coming from a lot of travel and enjoying some, you know, adventures and wilderness hiking and just being out in 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 in, in nature, the the backcountry skiing and the skeetering really appealed to me. And that's sort of where all I then I realized, wow, this is actually what this is like. For me, this is sort of the ultimate pinnacle of, of moving through the mountains in the winter on skins under your own power, and that's sort of where I then focus yeah. all my skiing, all, all my my skiing energy and, and, and adventures and endeavors. Um, but you know, I've only always always joke with with uh, friends of us here in Switzerland um, because I mean, like our son as well. You start to ski when you're two years old. You know, it's it's just especially if you. Interestingly, if you live a bit further, if you live out of the mountains, like down towards Ban, Zurich, it's also it's a, it's a yearly holiday thing. But if you live here where we are in, in the mountains, part of, of of life, you know, I can you can put the skis down, you know, outside the outside the the house and and head into the backcountry if you want to. Depending on snow conditions, this year has been especially atrocious, as you are quite probably quite well aware of. But um, yeah. you know, when I learned to ski, it was uh, you know you'd you'd have in the in the so here we have like a like a children like each little ski region or a bigger ski region would have at each lift they have like little children's areas or like a beginner area it's not like a little magic carpet or yeah. like a little lift that yeah. you up and and i always yeah. joke with you when i learned to ski i was like you know with a two-year-old three-year-old two-year-old three-year-old 35 year old two-year-old three-year-old and um, so it was quite it was quite humbling in many ways and um and it's it's nice to have seen the um the growth both personally and and and, and skill wise um but in in switzerland i mean i don't know what what, what your, what's your ski background was it something you did as a family did you did from a young age or you also started later in oz um oh man like that was a thing i i grew up in perth there is no snow in the state yeah. of western australia at all um i mean you, you occasionally get it with a with pretty <laughs> weird system but it's all on the east coast and when it is yeah. it does come in the east coast we're talking three months of the year is the season uh yeah. as far as the resorts are concerned but i reckon you can take a month off that anyway because it's all marketing um and yeah. so effectively we've only got like two months of the 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 lifted season and yeah. then we probably only have maximum um two months backcountry of spring corn that you're earning mm. your turns for um mm. so it's very very small and then that's yeah. on a good year too like we had a horrible well we had a pretty mediocre season last year um okay and i only i only got down there uh like a handful of times um okay. it's a it's a six hour drive for me uh here in Sydney. Okay. so um it's not something i do with uh with family um because i didn't i didn't do that growing up um yeah and i don't have kids so i i i mean that that allows me to kind of um strike mission and go when the conditions yeah. are good um mm. but we're literally only talking there's there's two months of um pickable good good snow and i'd say good snow because australia snow is obviously a lot lower like less quality than a lot of places like europe and the us so it's not it's not lower power but you still can have um like a a, the the freeze levels remain uh quite low um diagonally so throughout the day um there's only about two months of that so august probably late july through the start of september 
mm-hmm. which is our winter. Um, and then after that, it's all it's all spring. Uh, it's all spring snow, so it's all yeah. corn. Um, and you're you're really only going to that high elevation stuff, which Australia doesn't have a hell of a lot of. Um, okay. They top out the top, the mountain tops out here at two two, so two thousand two hundred meters, six yeah. six six four feet, I think six thousand four four hundred feet, um, yeah. approximately. Yeah. Um, so there's it, it's very low, and yeah. Yeah. you get huge uh, freeze thaw cycles. So. <laughs> Yeah, so it's basically, it's basically sort of early going. in the day, and then and then wait for the for, for for a little bit later, and when it when when it thaws to 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 ski down if you can. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes not even that, Cornelius. Like you can you, you can be out there at nine o'clock and it'd be and it'd be already done. You know, like okay. and, and done in the sense that it's already it's already ready ready to go. Spring snow, yeah. like it's thawed okay. out, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, right okay. through the through the layer. Yeah. yeah, that's something for me. Yeah. Uh, Again, here in Switzerland, often I mean, like you know, I often do early morning or or, or evening missions, and uh, in the early part of this winter, that's um, that's fine or that's great because I mean, you're skiing great snow, but you're skiing it in complete darkness. Uh, or in the full <laughs> moon, it's actually on the full and full moon is actually quite it's, it's remarkably light. Oh, like, yeah, you still need a headlamp for for the ski down, but on the skin up, I often just switch my headlamp off and just just skin on totally. the, the moonlight, which is really really. And cool. isn't that the best feeling in the world? Hey, like honestly, there's no yeah. sound. I mean, obviously you probably get the wind, but like it's just, it's just you honestly, it's the, that's it. And you can just stop for a second. All you hear is your heartbeat. You know, like yeah. It, yeah, it's an incredible feeling. Those are special moments, no, for sure. Like I, uh, hmm. that's um. Yeah, that's something that, that that's yeah, it stays with you for a lifetime. Doesn't matter how many times you do it. And, um, and I will say, it's one thing that got me onto your your sub sack because um, there was that <laughs> photo of you skinning up in. I don't know if it's now if it was you. It might have you took it, I think. So, well, yeah. I don't know if it was on a tripod or whatever, but it was it was in darkness and it was just you and your headlamp, and that's you know, like it was just <laughs> that when I saw that, I was just like, wow. Yeah, that's, okay, what it's, cool. that's what it's like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was really, I was, I was. Um, yeah, I think once I, I think I can't remember if you, if you, if you first you you commented on one of my posts or you or you subscribed and then commented. But um, yeah, I mean, I like like you know, if you when 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 you start and you and someone subscribes or comments, you're like, wow, this is amazing. Someone someone actually read the connection. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the stuff for it, like they they can relate. Which is, I mean, again, which is which is. Which is such a bonus on top of of just getting the stuff that you want to share out there because that's um, and I often think about that actually like if you know if, if um, and I think for us coming from the pre even the pre internet era pre internet pre social media pre uh, sharing all the stuff online digital. Um, yeah pre digital you know I would be doing the stuff anyway um, it's not like I do it because I want to share it I want to share it because I'm doing it. Um, and if yeah, everything had to, everything had to fall away, I would Love still that. go out there and do it, whether it's on film or or not at all. Uh, photo and photographically, um, I would still go go skiing, go touring, um, and most likely dig my film cameras back out <laughs> and uh, yeah. and start that and, yeah. and start that up. Um, yeah, no, that was that, that's uh, that's something that's 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 really really special. And um, but what I actually wanted to get onto was with the, ah, 
the, the spring. So as you get into spring, that, that early morning, you know, ski touring becomes quite interesting because even on weekends, if I'm not working or sometimes I, I work weekends and I've got days off in the week, you know, with family time, I don't have the luxury of, of going up and, and, and waiting for the thaw. So quite often I'm skiing very dodgy snow on the way down. Uh, I don't know what you, I mean, in English, I think you have quite a descriptive word for it in Swiss German, but in, in, in English or in American English, they actually, I think they, they call it punch crust. You know, when it's that, that, that thin frozen layer on top, but when you ski, you break through it and it just sort of, you, you can't, it's almost impossible to ski. It's like, a, it, um, because you, um, it's like a thin layer of, of, of hard snow and then yeah. when you break through it's soft below, but so it, 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 it just grabs onto the ski and you can't really make a turn where you have to really ski and adjust and feel how the snow is changing under your feet because it, it hasn't thawed yet. And, um, and uh, yeah, so that, yeah. uh, that, that makes it quite interesting sometimes. <laughs> it also it, makes it, you know, it's, it, sorry, yeah. go on. No, I was just gonna say, in Oz, it's usually rain affected, and that's what happens. You know, you get oh, you get yeah. a lot of you get a lot of rain cycles through yeah. through Oz, and you might get a, a snowstorm, and then and then it's followed by a warm spell, and and you get this kind of that that exactly the punch crust, or you know, the upside down snowpack. Um, it, it it can be dangerous, but Oz is pretty generally pretty solidified by that stage and you're not okay. you're not going to be pushing down slopes or anything like that but it, yeah, yeah it, it's it's a nightmare to ski on that and sastrugi <laughs> is is like common it's all wind scoured yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's horrible to ski on yeah. and uh yeah but, but, uh, as i like to say or maybe it's just to 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 uh uh what's the word to um to not to sue, but to sort of to, uh, to ah, the word is escaping me. To sort of to to soothe myself, as in uh, you know, I always like to say, it makes you a better skier. You know, when you, you yeah, know, if you oh, for sure. I was, when I was growing up, you know, surfing there's always the guys who you know they always go with the competition surfing. I was never really a competition surfer, but um, I had friends and, and and family and my sister actually surfed a lot of competitions, and then. And a lot of guys would, would often go out surfing when it was howling onshore one foot waves, you know, because in competitions, you don't have the luxury to wait for the perfect waves. And if you can surf good, nah. in crappy conditions, yeah. it's easy to surf well. And, and, you know, when the waves are perfect offshore, you know, four to six foot. So, um, yeah, so I like to. It's when I like to surf because no one's ever out. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's as well. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, um, uh, that's one of the in in interesting parts of uh, trying to get some some skiing in when when uh, between work and uh, work life. Sometimes you don't have a choice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, cool. So, what did I make some notes here? Actually, yeah. So about the surfing. So Australia is obviously not far from from uh, from Indo. Is yeah. that a place? Is that a place you visited often? Surfing. Um. Admittingly, it wasn't when I was growing up. Um, I didn't do a lot of international. Well, I didn't. I didn't start surfing um, outside of Australia until I'd left school. Um, I went okay. on a trip to New Zealand. Uh, sorry, to Indonesia in two thousand. I want to say like two thousand and two, two thousand and three. Um, okay. Did a boat trip uh, under the from 
from Bali as it's the easiest to access and through Lombok uh, mm. and into Sambala. Um, and then okay. it kind of kicked off my interest and love for, for Indonesia. It's such a, such an incredible place. Such a, so unique yeah. for waves as well. Um, and then I've, I've, I've done a bunch of trips ever since. Um, the Mentawai Islands um, oh, okay. are the obvious ones. Um, and, and those islands uh, are getting quite busy. I, I think it's a little bit of a concern with the amount of people that are going to those places. Um, okay. There's not infrastructure to support it. And we're talking people on boats, but I mean, yeah. you know, marine traffic or, or otherwise, it still, mm. still has an impact. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been uh, north of there to the Penaitan Islands. Um, oh, sorry, it's actually south of there. So it's the, the bottom of Sumatra. Uh, then oh, okay. just the northern yeah. northern island of, of Indonesia. Yeah. And then last year uh, as well, off the beaten track, I went to a place called Similu. Um, okay, I've heard. And yeah, it's, it's on the it's on the northern peninsula. Oh, sorry, the northern region of Sumatra. Um, okay. And Arche, uh, where this two thousand and four. Or might be 2005 actually tsunami mm. happened um oh, big okay. one cool. uh that was through the arche region so although cool. it wasn't similar itself um similar mm. actually sat on the bolt line that gave way um so oh, okay similar actually sank eight meters one side and the other meter the other side lifted eight lifted. meters Whoa. so it literally pivoted that the whole, whole island chain um, pivoted that amount, um, which mm. displaced the water and caused a tsunami. Um, so, and, and created all these surf yeah. breaks there that um, we can't talk about because you just shouldn't go there. And, uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of waves there and oh, it's okay. pretty remote Indo. Yeah. Um, lots of, so both, so both, lots of both, places. both only. But only there mostly. Uh, no, it's an island. So most people stay on camp, land camps. Oh, really? Um, okay. There's a bunch of camps there. Yeah. Oh, and okay. they're, they're not super remote, the camps. Like there's there's uh, plenty of civilization there. Mm. Um, and you can fly in there quite accessibly. Um, oh, okay. But generally you're on a moped or, um, or, or on a boat taking a boat out to some of those islands that some of the kind of have yeah some of the breaks yeah mm. exactly okay wow awesome so and um, are you taking uh, a selection of boards or what do you generally serve in terms of boards yeah uh, i mean that's the other thing as well airlines will sting you for whatever they can these days so uh, take anywhere from two to three boards yeah, any more than that's just additional admin that you probably don't want to deal with mm. and um but yeah two or three boards i took three boards last year um i don't like traveling with boards it's it's just so it, yeah, it's, it's kind of restricting um yeah. so the less boards the better mm. um but that's not always possible when you go to places like indo that has a selection of waves yeah um, but yeah just just a, 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 a tw i took last year i took a twin and then two traditional performance boards um so your short boards mm -hmm. the thruster short okay. boards um 
that, yeah, that was more than enough to be honest. One was one was a gun board, so one was one was for the bigger okay, stuff, the bigger, and then one, the one was yeah, yeah, and then one was just a just an everyday board. So I try to cover all yeah. all gamut. And back and and there back home, you have you have uh, a bigger selection oh. or <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it, my. my Garage probably looks like yours behind you. Um, <laughs> just replace the skis with boards, with, with boards, boards okay. and 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 they're all up on a wall. Uh, and wow, I just awesome. take a pick from. To be honest, I've got way too many boards, and I don't need that many boards no in my thing. life. No such yeah, thing. Yeah, well, <laughs> just more money and complexity if you're moving. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I yeah, when I when we moved to Switzerland, obviously I had to um, get well, get rid or 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 um, gift my boards, which I ended up giving to my sister. Um, <laughs> because here, yeah, that, that, I think that technically means that you can get them back. I could get, yeah. I mean, they're not, yeah. They're not <laughs> back. I, actually, I, I, I surfed, uh, I surfed one a little bit when we were back in South Africa last November, but um, yeah. Uh, I could, I could definitely, yeah. So I, I mean, I've got free, free reign or free use of them when we are back there, which is nice. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, yeah. I, it's nice to know that someone who appreciates them or using them. But uh, yeah, something I've been mean, as as uh, as a business aside. So what I, I think with the surfing, what I ended up, especially early on in my surfing life, I, I always surfed for performance shortboards because that's what you thought. I mean, that's what the pro surf and that's what we wanted to surf. And then later on, um. A bit like my skis, which are, which is why I have so many skis back here. Is I, I started much more enjoying a lot more to serve different types of boards. Like I had a, had a um, like yeah, different types of, of varieties of nine foot long boards, gliders, nine four, uh, eight wow. sticks, nine foot, um, and like a couple of different um, twin mid length. Uh, yeah, more shorts and and like five, six or six, one fish, fish twin fins, uh, but with nice volume, you know, that they, they so float nicely. And then I had yeah. a, a, one of my favorite boards of all time was a little, uh, a mini Simmons, which, which looked like, uh, it's like really short, like, like five, it's all, it's almost like a, like a long, like a long bodyboard or a short surfboard, but it's really wide. Yeah. I was going to say, does it look like an egg? Like it's almost, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, quite yeah, round. Like yeah. 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 The, it's the amazing thing about that board is it, it it's super short, but it, it it because of the volume and and I don't know if it's the dimensions, the way the the shape, it, it it serves like a long board, but you can turn it. So when you're pedaling, because yeah. of the volume, you 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 can pedal fast. You really catch a wave early, and uh, once you're once you're up, oh, it's it's and it, you can float over those flat sections on waves when you when you do have them, but yeah. you can still turn it when you have the the you know the more um, yeah. Just more of a wave to work with. It was uh, it was really fun. It's a really fun board. I would recommend anyone to try to to uh, <laughs> to try. Easy to get onto uh, and, and and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that. Uh, and then actually, I I started realizing, or I mean, at least for me, a lot of the early part of my surfing life, you know, because you and I, I, you see that here when we go to certain parts of the coast, like like Italy or or um, when we're back home in South Africa, and all, you know. If you're only surfing short performance type boards, which a lot of the young guys are, you know, when when you're paddling out when it's two or three foot, you're not having you're just paddling out and you just 
you're not really having a lot of fun, but you've got a nine foot long board or a mini sim and you can actually surf. And often in those conditions, a lot of people either don't go out or they don't catch a lot of waves because they're not really surfing the right board for the conditions or for them. And um, mm. it's a, yeah, and, and in that sense, I think uh, it's a, there's a, there's a bit of a, uh, not a gap, but there's a bit of a disservice being done to a lot of the, the, the surfing industry by not, just making people more aware of, of those different types of boards that can actually be so much more fun depending on the on the conditions or maybe that's just my experience i don't know yeah, yeah no i agree it, 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 over covid people went on a massive spending spree here because they weren't traveling on boards and camping equipment and just the amount of boards that were sold here is mind-boggling so i think that there's something to be said there on a secondhand market in Australia, like with all of those kinds of boards that to be able to try and test, you can pick yeah. them up pretty cheaply. Um, yeah. It's, it, once, once you tap that, um, you know, that resource of different boards, like you, you can, you really broaden your scope on surfing and, and your ability to, mm. yeah, it's, it's a big, big win. If you, if you get it right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit, uh, in many ways, it's a bit like when you when you're traveling, and then you know, when you initially start traveling, your mind just immediately opens up, and you just become aware of of so much more that's going on in the world, and and yeah, you just realize how small your own world has been for for such a long time. But um, mm. yeah, that's uh, that's uh, yeah, that's I think why why traveling is actually so intoxicating in many ways. But yeah. um, <laughs> Moving on quickly, just uh, yeah, last last couple of questions. So for yourself, any any goals goals going forward besides any besides everything you have you have going on at the moment? Yeah, probably too much. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I I, I want to continue to bridge that gap um, between meteorological, technical um, chat and um, that just breaking it down for the layman. Um, mm. I thoroughly enjoy being able to have that skill and, and, and resources to kind of pull it all together and work out whether the surf's on or the, or the snow's on or, you know, how to tackle it if it is poor, poor conditions. Or um, a lot of people, there's been in, in the past, recent past, a lot of people have come to me and asked me, you know, what do you think about these conditions? Because they know that I'm, I've, I've got an interest in it. Yeah. Um, and then half an hour later, when I'm still chewing their ear off, they regret it. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, my, my goals and aspirations in that regard is just to continue it on and, and, and constantly provide um, updates on um, and, and not without kind of being generic, uh, like a weatherman. Um, is, is mm -hmm. kind of getting into the, 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 the detail of whether it be snowpack or, you know, um, it could be surf, but I, I don't spend a lot of time looking at surf. I've got, I got that at the front door and I just surf whatever I can. But when yeah. it comes to snow, and I've got a, a big interest in that, the, the cryosphere um, and, and how climate's changing, um, okay. I'm, I'm very keen to kind of explore that more. And that's why my <laughs> studies are, are yeah. aligned that way. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, you're mentioning the, the, the surf and the snow. And I think for me, you know, having surfing, having been such a big part of my life growing up and having now sort of having to, uh, I don't want to say give it up, but it, at least in the sense of living here, give it up 
temporarily or for however amount, however long amount of time. Uh, and one thing I've actually found, especially with, with, with ski touring or backcountry skiing is for me, I've been drawing a lot of similarities between that and surfing in the sense of, you know, with surfing, if you want to really be, you know, keep your finger on the pulse of, you know, um, what the swell is doing, what the wind is doing, which, which spots on the coast are going to be good, depending on the orientation, you know, what, what, what the, the weather systems are doing further out in the ocean, pushing the swell towards the shore, um, and knowing which spots work on certain directions of swell, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I find the same very interesting and exciting also with, with, with ski touring, having to, you know, figure out that what does the snow doing? Has it been, it snowed, is it going to be warm the next day or soon after it's staying cold? The time of year is the snow warming up and then freezing, and then it's going to thaw. Is it going to stay cold? So it's going to stay powder. So you, and snow in essence is also water. It's just another form. So you're also analyzing that type of stuff in a similar way to, to surfing. So in a way, I've all, it's just sort of shifted to a different medium, but it's still that, that, that inherent uh, um, analysis or, or something that's also a, a very cool aspect of, of surfing in both backcountry, backcountry skiing for me. Um, yeah. There's also something about, I don't know, looking at something you can't see. Um, and that sounds yeah. paradoxical, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, the atmosphere does some weird and wonderful things, and and I've often, when it comes to mountain, the mountain regions and terrain, I've always wondered why, uh, mm -hmm. atmospherically, and and um, one of the things that blew me away when I first travelled to a place like New Zealand, my first snow experience, I'd never experienced snow before, was got to New Zealand, caught this bus up the mountain, Mount Royal Paiute on the North <laughs> Island, quite unassuming place for snow, and, until you see the mountain and it's incredible um you mm. get up the top and i got off the bus and it's just this this you know the alpine air just hit me and i was just and i guess that was kind of my introduction for my love for the alpine region and and, okay. and mountain is just that cold air um yeah that's you know there's stuff that you you get when you open the freezer on a hot day you know but like <laughs> uh, I, i'm literally flew across the continent to to enjoy it and yeah that was yeah it. That was my introduction was incredible like that. It's, yeah. Honestly, it was like a love. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that's something, yeah, as, I mean, as a South African as well, I can definitely relate to that. Um, also, I always have, it's, it's always so funny. You know, I mean, I've, I worked also a little bit, various different roles and stuff, being in a, from a small coastal village that's all, a lot reliant on, on, on tourism. And you always have, you know, when, when you have European tourists, it's always the funniest thing and and they they always at a restaurant or wherever it is later on when you live in Stellenbosch at a wine farm they always want to sit in the sun and have their lunch or, or drink their wine <laughs> and yeah. as someone who's from Africa or a very sunny country probably like Western Australia or, or Sydney Australia as well you're always like that doesn't make any sense they're going to burn to an absolute <laughs> crisp and then <laughs> and, and now living here in Switzerland um you can almost start, I always, I can actually see that side of the, I can, I can view things a bit from their perspective, where especially here in the mountains and the valleys, you know, this, you, you, it, you get daylight, but you see direct sunlight only, especially in winter, very late in the day, and then it disappears very quickly. So, mm. ooh, can you, am I, am I frozen on your side, the video? 
Oh you yeah. See me, you see me moving? No, you are frozen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. At least at least yeah. it sounds going. Um. Okay. Well, let's 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 continue at least with the audio because it's only got a couple of minutes left. Um. And then no worries. And then um, how. I can sort of understand how they want to sit in the sun and, and always joke with them and say, for me, it's always in, in growing up in South Africa or, or later on in South Africa, it's, it's the exact opposite where for us, like you were mentioning earlier with your Alpine experience with snow, I mean, we literally have people, if it, if, if it's snowing on mountains in the, in the close vicinity, especially around Salenbosch, a bit further inland um, or, or in the, in the mountains immediately surrounding Salenbosch, you know, people would take the day off work to go look at snow. <laughs> that's literally I a know, thing. right and, yeah, and here yeah. and, and my wife especially also she can never it's like why do you want to go look at snow it's just it's something that's just it's normal it's snow you know but if you don't know it and the same with their son you know we know sun so well for them it's something very very cool and unique because they don't get a lot of it <laughs> that's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Always, always i'm like so a funny. kid if i say snow i'm 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 all over yeah, it and sure. you know i i, I think and maybe it's your upbringing, you know, where you're not exposed to it. And it's funny, you talk to people that are places like Northern America or, you know, North North America right up top. And they're, they're like, no, snow is like the worst thing ever. It's horrible to drive in. You can, you've got to leave the house with a jacket on. And, you know, it's an complete inconvenience <laughs> where I'm, I'm like, put me in a jacket. Let, let, let's go yeah. up the top of the, that mountain. Yeah, yeah no problem whatsoever. It does, it does, it does add, I mean, here with shoveling snow in winter, it does add a bit of extra admin, but like, I think also because I didn't grow, because it didn't, because I didn't grow up with it, I don't, I don't really mind it. Um, yeah. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I, I think on that note, I'm going to, should we end it there? I still, yeah, I mean, I would love to, to pick it up again at some stage. It's been awesome chatting to you uh, and to get to know you a bit better. Yeah, likewise. See each other in person. Yeah. Um, and thanks so much for taking the time. Really, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, and yeah, just keep on. I think yeah, just keep on doing what you're doing. I love reading what you're what you're writing, and yeah, um, uh, or love hearing about the countries you've been to. A little bit jealous in that sense, but uh, I think that, that's that's uh, that's just life. And like I mentioned, yeah, if you ever head this way, um, yeah, let me know. Yeah, Cornelius, thank you so much for having me. It's, um, I've, as I said at the start, you know, I feel humbled that you, the the request came through, and appreciate your interest in in what I do, and and um, but it, it it's got to come back to you as well. I, I've got a instant connection with your your publications through your photography, and um, you know, your even even your touring. Uh, incredibly jealous on that regard as well. So it, it I guess the feeling's mutual. <laughs> and um yeah really nice to to meet you too and uh, i'd like to uh maybe flesh it out in the future a bit more and so if yeah for sure you're open to it happy to Absolutely. happy to jump on for yeah. sure yeah. but no, yeah thank humbled. you so much for having me mate awesome yeah very humble with your time and uh, yeah enjoy your enjoy your friday there i'm gonna have a quick glass of wine with a wife and then i'll head to bed <laughs> i'm <laughs> off to rock climbing so um completely uh, awesome. different <laughs> Awesome. Enjoy. Right, mate, we'll yeah. catch up soon. Thanks, mate. Okay. Great to meet you. Yeah. Cheers. Bye. See ya.